This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Hello, this is Gordon Smith, and this is the Sons of Melchizedek show. I am today interviewing Father Jerry Bird. Father Bird is of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and currently assigned to the Catholic community of Jennings County. Welcome, Father Bird. Hi, Gordon. Thanks for having me. How are you today? And tell me what your hometown is, please. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, people ask, how are you, Father, all the time? And I, I always say, well, I'm on the right side of the dirt, so... Horizontal, not vertical, right? Right. That right. would be the wrong side of the dirt. That w maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, tell us about your uh, vocation. This is a program about vocations, and Sons of Melchizedek remembered for his priestly vocation. So tell us about your vocation. My vocation uh, is, is very interesting, I guess. Um, I am a convert to the Catholic faith. I was uh, raised, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Um, there's a history in my family of uh, Baptist ministers. Um, so I got some uncles that are Baptist ministers. I had an uncle that was a, a Pentecostal preacher at one point. Um, so we go back in my family and there's, there's always been somebody, uh, some man who has been a pastor or a minister or a preacher. And so I was raised uh, to believe lots of things about Catholicism that were erroneous. I was taught, you know, uh, the Catholic faith was a made-up faith. It wasn't a faith of Christians, that Catholics weren't true Christians, and lots of other things. Uh, they prayed to saints, they worshipped idols, the Pope was a bad man, and sometimes even referred to as the Antichrist. Beelzebub, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something like that, uh, I had a lot of misconceptions about Catholicism, and I worried that, you know, my Catholic friends were, well, I worried that they were going to go to hell when they died because that's what I was taught. So I would, <laughs> when I was young, I would go around the playground at recess and find my Catholic friends and say, hey, you know, you're probably going to go to hell because you're Catholic, right? So what what was it that um, turned that corner for you? And, and I got to say right now that you didn't grow up in the Indianapolis Archdiocese. You grew up in Ohio, but on the edge of the Indianapolis Archdiocese in Harrison, right? So I, I, oh, we lived, we lived in Indiana, just across the border. I see. Okay. So uh, my family moved from Cincinnati when I was probably less than a year old. We moved over to Indiana, and um, I grew up in near Bright, Indiana. Uh, okay, was a small town then. It's kind of a bustling. Uh, bustling little place now. Dearborn County. Dearborn yeah, County. Dearborn County. I grew up there, went to high school at East Central High School, um, went to college in Cincinnati. But when I was in high school, I, I had a, a pretty significant conversion experience. Growing up in the Baptist church, there was this teaching that for you to be saved, 
uh, to be saved, you you simply had to ask the Lord into your heart, right? You just said a prayer. It was called the sinner's prayer. And you could be confident that once you said that prayer, you would be saved, and salvation was something that you couldn't lose. And so— Once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. And, you know, I have to admit that <clears throat> that never really sat well with me. It didn't make complete and total sense. And I didn't really know why, but I, I remember for years I would go to bed every night and I would say the sinner's prayer, and I would hope that that there would be a moment where I would feel that connection with Jesus. And every time I prayed it, I would go to bed hoping that I would wake up in the next the next day and I would have that relationship. But it never never really seemed to come to fulfillment. I never really felt any more connected with Jesus after having said the prayer than I did at any other time. And so. I would pray it every night for years, every night. All I wanted was to have a relationship with the Lord, and I wanted to be able to believe it and to trust it. And it just never really kind of, it never really hit. I wasn't one of those people that could say, yeah, on this night I, I was saved, I was born again. And so I would pray that prayer often. When I was 16, I had a friend who was in the process of becoming Catholic. He was my best friend in high school. And I invited him to come to church with me one Sunday morning, and he said, that's fine, I'll come with you, but you have to come to Mass with me on Sunday night. The parish that he went to had a, a Sunday evening Mass. And I said, that's fine. I had been to Mass before. I had a girlfriend at the time, and she was Catholic, so I would go to Mass with her, and I thought, yeah, it's really nice. It's pretty. The church is pretty. The The music's different. You know, I'd never heard a pipe organ before until I went to a Catholic Mass, and music's kind of a thing for me, so oh, really? I was intrigued by that. Sure. Yeah, and... You know, like the church had a smell to it. You know, you go into a church and you can smell like the, the scent of incense and wax and different things like that. Smells and bells. Smells and bells. There were bells. Um, I thought that was interesting. But, you know, at the end of the day, I would go to Mass with, with at my time, at that time, my girlfriend. And I thought, yeah, it's all pretty, but it's meaningless. Like there's nothing. Jesus isn't here. The Holy Spirit's not here. But I went to Mass with my friend. He came to church with me, and I went to Mass that evening with him. And we sat in the, the old choir loft of the church was turned into a balcony for people to sit in because they moved the music ministry down to the front of the church. And so we sat in the very back of the, the, the balcony, as far away from everything as possible. Um, I didn't have to do any of the kneeling or any of that stuff, which I thought was kind of odd anyways, coming from a, a, a tradition where you just kind of sit there. Um, so we sat in the very back of the, the balcony, and I was... I was kind of startled because I walked in and something felt different at this place than the other masses I had been to, and I had no idea what it was. The music was kind of the same, the the vestments were kind of the same, the you know it was an old priest that was kind of the same. And where was this? This was at St. John the Baptist in Harrison, Ohio. So this was in okay. the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And I can't remember a whole lot from the Mass. I don't remember what the homily was about or anything like that, but what I do remember is the moment of consecration. My eyes were drawn to the altar, and I'm telling you, like, it was far away from me, so I was, you know, having a hard time seeing. But when Father said, this is my body, which will be given up for you, and he elevated the host, everything in my life changed in that moment. Everything changed because for the first time in my life, I saw with my eyes Jesus. Now, it wasn't like this mystical 
you know, vision or anything like that. I just was able in that moment to recognize the true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I knew in that moment that the fulfillment of that desire that I had in my heart to have that personal, intimate relationship with him was only going to be fulfilled in me receiving the Eucharist. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. The source and summit right there. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And thank you for your vocation that came out of that conversion story because you do every single day that same miracle. Every single day. You make it possible. Yeah. God makes it possible, but you help cooperate with God in that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, it is, you know, as in seminary, I was I would often imagine like what's it going to be like when I say mass for the very first time, when I take bread in my hands and I say the words and I take the chalice with wine and I say the words. And there's no way to imagine what it's like. And there's no way for me to really explain what it's like because it's such a, a powerful and mysterious experience. And it's it, it's like one of the greatest things that I can imagine is being able to uh, stand at the altar in persona Christi and to take simple things like bread and wine and to speak words that were spoken by our Lord himself and through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of the office that I've been given through grace of God, through ordination, what was bread and what was wine is no longer bread and is no longer wine. And it becomes the God of the universe. They're laid bare on the altar. And God chose me. You know, like I'm sure, I, I, I'm not sure, I'm certain that there are men better equipped to do what I do. And yet God still chose me. And all of that kind of broke into my life the moment that I laid my eyes on the Eucharist for the first time. Now, I had seen Mass before, but I, I wasn't in a place where I was engaged in it. So I, I, I thought, you know, like, oh, yeah, the priest is saying these words, and, you know, people are going up, and they think they're eating Jesus, but it's really just like this little cracker that they're eating, and these poor Catholics don't know what's going on. But something was different that night. Something was different. I don't know if it was I was in a better place with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it was, except it was God's grace. And in that moment, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that my life was going on a completely different trajectory. Now, I didn't think that that meant becoming a priest. This is still high school, right? I was 16. Right. Right. I had a girlfriend, had, you know, like had these idea, like plans. I was going to go to college and, you know, I was going to study music and we would, you know, like I would get married eventually and have a family. And, you know, my dream was to to eventually become like a, a band director, a music teacher in a high school. I didn't really want to do a whole lot. I knew I would be involved in church, but it wasn't a ministry, right? Like I wasn't, I, I never felt called to a ministry. And then the stirring in my heart that started that night when I went to Mass and I encountered our Lord in the Eucharist, that stirring just never went away. It would not go away. And so I remember I called the priest. I was super bothered when we left. And my friend's like, what's wrong? And I was like, man, I think I might have to become Catholic now. And he just laughed and he said, I thought that might happen. I was like... (laughs) And this friend was, he was becoming Catholic or already Catholic? He was in RCIA. At the time? Yeah, at the time. You still acquainted with this man? I Unfortunately, our friendship kind of went 
separate ways. And yeah. I, he's not in the church anymore. He's oh, he's no. kind of like left the faith. But we can't tell the time or the place or uh, what circumstances that God's providence places us in. Yeah, but it's all uh, we won't understand until we are uh, six feet under. And, right. Uh, what God's plan for all of us was. Exactly. So this is uh, Gordon Smith, and I am talking to Father Jerry Bird today of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis about his both his conversion to the Catholic faith and his priestly vocation today. So thank you, Father Bird. I have uh, another question, but it's got to be a quick answer because we have to take a break in a moment. Okay. But uh, what is the—I I can already tell, I think, your favorite— Sacrament is the Eucharist, but um, yeah. is that what you enjoy conferring the most? Uh, between celebrating Mass and hearing confessions, those are those are the two things that, and they're so closely connected, right? Sure. Yeah. You so that's that's clean slate to get to the Eucharist. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So thank you, Father Bird. We're going to take a short break now. We'll be back in the second half of this program in just a minute. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening the radio and I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be in intellectually stimulating and um, at the same time I was learning about the faith particularly the apologetics Catholic radio building faith building vocations welcome back to the sons of Melchizedek show I'm Gordon Smith and I'm interviewing father Jerry Bird today he is in Jennings County uh, in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis in the Catholic Community? Do I have that right? Catholic community? We say Catholic churches. Catholic churches. Of Jennings County. So, Father Bird, tell us, you've told us a little bit about your conversion story when you were 16, and that was over in Ohio, just over the Indiana-Ohio line. But at some point in time, after you realized that was the true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus on the altar there, you said to you were... Uh, maybe considering a musical career or something other than being a priest, what turned the corner to to cause your vocation to go towards the seminary? That's a great question. I I called the priest shortly after uh, I had that experience, and I remember saying to him, Father, you don't know me. I'm not a parishioner. In fact, I'm a Baptist, but I was at Mass last night, and I I believe Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist. Could I please receive Holy Communion at Mass? I, I had the expectation that Father was just going to say, sure, come on, that's great, you believe, go ahead. And he said, no. <laughs> oh. I know, I was, I, was, I was really hoping that he would say, you don't have to be Catholic, you can just come and receive communion since you believe. He didn't say that. Instead, he said, you, you have to be Catholic, and here's why. And then he went on to explain to me that when people come to receive Holy Communion, it's not just about receiving the host, right? It's not just about receiving the the sacrament. What that what that represents, uh, it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. But it also shows the unity that we have with the body of Christ. It shows that we are together, part of the body of Christ, by receiving His body, blood, soul, and divinity. It took me a while to figure that out, but 
eventually I realized, okay, if I want to receive the Eucharist, then I have to become Catholic. So I made the decision that I was going to leave the Baptist Church and join the Catholic Church. And so I entered RCIA uh, the following session. So it was this was in the springtime, right around Easter time when I had this conversion. And then so you had the full year. Yeah. So I had to wait until September to start it. So I was just chomping at the bit. I bet. I would even sneak away. It was hard to tell my mom that I was going to become Catholic. She she didn't really think that was a great idea. So I would, as a kid, as a teenager, I would I would sneak away on Saturday afternoons, and you know, go to the movies with a friend. But my friend would actually take me and like drop me off at church, and I would go to mass. So I kind of you know was a little bit backwards about how I was doing it. But eventually, I entered RCIA, and I remember shortly after RCIA started, I was sitting at mass one Sunday, and Father said. We need men to be priests. We need priests. If we don't have priests, then we don't have the sacraments. We don't have the sacraments. We don't have the church. And what will we do without the church? And I thought for a second, well, I could do that. I mean, what does a priest do? He says mass and hears some confessions, and then he gets the rest of the day off, like watch TV, go golfing, whatever he wants to do. And I thought, well, I could do that. And then instantly this dread and fear kind of took over. And I thought, yeah, I could do it, but I don't want to do it. So no thanks. So you resisted the call. I resisted the call for a long time, for a long time. I made my profession of faith and was confirmed and received the Eucharist for the first time um, at the Easter Vigil, which was April 11th that year, 1998. I was 17 years old, and there was just something so amazing about that night. Um, The Easter Vigil started at, I think, like 9 p.m., and it it went a good four hours because there was about 30 people that came into the church and they did all the readings and did all the things, and I just remember that, that that night was so awesome. And the funny thing is, you know, somebody told my mom, well, he's getting confirmed, so you need to get him a gift. And so she went shopping that day with my nephew, who was getting baptized into the Catholic faith that night, and they, they went to a Catholic bookstore in Cincinnati. And mom was looking for this gift for me, and she wanted to get, I've, you know, like, get a crucifix, get a statue, whatever. No, not my mom. She comes with this gift, and, and it's this box. It's very heavy. So after the Mass, we're down in the cafeteria having cookies and punch, and my mom hands me this gift bag, and she says, I got this for you. And I pull this 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 box out, and it's you know probably a 10-inch high box, and it was really heavy. And I thought, well, what is it? She's like, just look at it. And I open the box. My mom bought me a chalice. Oh, she she went to the she went to the Catholic bookstore and bought a chalice. Now, mind you, it was a chalice that was like made out of clay or something like that. And I pulled it out and I said, "Mom, do you know what this is?" And she said, "It's a cup. It's nothing more than a cup. It's just a cup." I said, "No, mom, this is a chalice. This is what the priest uses at mass to consecrate the precious blood. And you bought this for me. What what made you?" What made you go after that? She said, well, it's painted blue, and I know you like blue, and I just thought it was pretty. Okay. Okay, Mom. I hadn't really talked to anybody about that stirring uh, towards priesthood that had kind of begun back in the fall, and so I was just kind of shocked by that, and that kind of opened the door for me to talk about it a little bit more with people. But it took a long time. It took a long time for me to get to the point where I was ready to to make the commitment and go to seminary. I was looking for something in my life. I really wanted to have 
the family and the wife and the kids and all that stuff. And I dated, um, and I had a great job. I was working as a youth minister uh, at St. Louis Parish in Batesville, and I was also a music director in a church in Cincinnati. So on the weekends, I did music. During the week, I did youth ministry. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I didn't have any cares, any worries. I could kind of do what I wanted, um, spend a lot of time with my friends, and uh, just really had a pretty good life, except I was completely unfulfilled. I, I never had that feeling of this is what I should be doing with the rest of my life. I was dating this girl, and she knew that I had been thinking about priesthood. And she told me when we started dating, hey, if you ever get to the point where you feel like you need to go to seminary, you just tell me, and I fully support that. And we dated for about five months, and right before Valentine's Day, she called me up and she said, hey, it's time for you to go to seminary. You need to go and figure this out. Because we're either going to get married or you're going to go become a priest. But we can't move forward until you figure that out. I, I was thinking the same thing. And I thought, thanks, Lord. I'm glad that, that you worked She addressed that. it, yeah. and you didn't have to. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so I, I was like, you're right. I got to go. And so we broke up, and still to this day, we're friends. Funny thing, I'm the second guy that this gal dated that became a priest. <laughs> that should tell her something, I guess. I told her she should get a finder's fee, you know, like um, good recruitment. Uh, she's happily married and, and, you know, living her faith. Uh, down in Texas, I think. But I we, went to we seminary. We put her in the vocations department of the Indy Archdiocese. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I I finally kind of bit the bullet and went to visit St. Meinrad, and it just felt right. And I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And so I guess the rest is history. I, I entered seminary in the fall of 2006, and by God's grace, I was ordained a priest in June of 2012. So put an age on that for me. You were 17 when you came into the church. Yeah. And then you entered seminary at what age? 25. Okay. That's and then, 25. And then I was ordained a priest at 31. Well, and thank God it doesn't. it's not an overnight thing. Right. You need to really study hard to uh, yeah. get the hands laid on you. Absolutely. Let's head back to the um, body, blood, soul, and divinity for a second. You said that was a, a turning point for you in your conversion story. And unfortunately, there are people out there that are parishioners um, or Catholics that come to Mass, but I've heard before that there are some number of Catholics that don't really believe, as they should, that that is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ up there in the altar. In 2024, we're going to have the Eucharistic Congress um, in Indianapolis, which is an amazing thing because that's doesn't happen very often, and here it's happening in our backyard. Um, What are you going to do as a priest to help encourage your community and communities to um, increase their belief in in the uh, Holy Eucharist? Awesome question. Um, So in Jennings County, we have a perpetual adoration chapel uh, that's at St. Mary's Church, and uh, it's been going for 12 years now, 11, 12 years and I would say that that is probably one of the greatest things that we have done. Uh, Father Meyer, my predecessor, started that when he was the pastor there. And so we kind of already have a culture of recognizing the true presence of our Lord in the Eucharist. But unfortunately, not everybody has an hour in the chapel, right? Right. Um, so 
if you don't spend time with the Lord, especially in adoration, and if your only experience of, of Jesus is for the 45 minutes to an hour that you're at Mass on Saturday night or Sunday morning, the rest of the week, you're not going to think too much about Him. And until we really dive into spending more time with the Lord, and not just coming to Mass, I'm not talking about go to every daily Mass or go to all the Sunday Masses, I'm talking about spend some time, pop into the church, and and just sit in the presence Go into the Adoration Chapel. Be in His presence. You don't even have to say anything. Just go and be with Him. That's going to change hearts. That's going to change minds. I think part of the problem that we have is the way that we approach the Eucharist is so casual now. Um, you know, we we lack a sense of reverence. We lack a sense of awe and wonder when it comes to the celebration of the Mass, when it comes to uh, the reception of Holy Communion. You know, I've had, I've had people tell me a number of times, you know, Father, what's the point in me coming to Mass if I can't receive Holy Communion? And I thought, gosh, that's not the point of Mass, right? The point of Mass is that we go to worship God because He tells us that that's what we're supposed to do. The benefit of going to Mass if we're in a state of grace is to receive Him in the Eucharist. Until we start to change that way of thinking, I kind of think we're going to be stuck because if I don't understand in my bones that God loves me enough, not just to become like me in all things but sin, but to condescend even further to become food for me, to feed me with his very flesh, his blood, his soul, and his divinity, and that he does that willingly all because he loves me. If I can't get my heart and my mind wrapped around that, and I don't mean understand it, but I mean just believe it, trust it, surrender to it, then the Eucharist is just going to be this thing that we do on Sundays, and it's not going to really impact how I live my life. And I hope that this Eucharistic revival challenges that in us. I hope it challenges us to embrace a more reverent reception of Holy Communion. I hope it challenges us to prepare ourselves well to receive Him. I hope it challenges us to be less casual and, and more attentive to our participation in the Mass and our participation in, in the, the life of the Church. We had a tough time going through COVID, and when we couldn't receive the sacraments, especially the most important sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, we had people that dropped out of, of parish life and, and going to Mass because of that. It was, it's a sad thing, and some parishes aren't fully back up number of attendees that they had prior to COVID. So I, I only hope and pray that your efforts and efforts of other uh, like-minded priests will attract more people and have them understand that Holy, Holy Eucharist is the source and summit of Absolutely. what we're about. we got to do something. We do. Yes, absolutely. Today I've been interviewing Father Jerry Bird of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Um, this is Sons of Melchizedek. Uh, Father Bird is in Jennings County at um, St. Mary's, St. Anne's, and St. Joseph. I call it the Holy Extended Family. <laughs> I um, like that. <laughs> thank you, Father Bird. God bless you and your efforts. We really appreciate your interview time today on the Sons of Melchizedek. Thanks for having me, Gordon. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. 
If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy.